Podcast world with shake and we're back at you with a special edition of the Foul Life Podcast. Today we start our journey with Yuka Nuba through a series of podcasts to discuss sporting dogs, duck dogs, nutrition, diet, training, handling, everything that goes into the safety and the preservation of man's best friend. Probably the most important tool when it comes to being an all-around waterfowl hunter, upland hunter. Doesn't matter what you chase, Yukonuba is there to supply the right diet, the correct nutrition to make sure that your dog is living his or her best life. So today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Yukonuba Sporting Dog. Check them out for all of your pet needs, nutritional value, the science, the research, everything that they have going behind their food is exactly what you need to be looking for if you're going to put your dog through that daily grind of being a duck retriever, goose retriever, pheasant pointer, chucker pointer, whatever you're doing, get them on Yukonuba, get her on Yukonuba. I am so fortunate and humbled to have today's guest on the episode. His name is Chris Aiken. He hails from the state of Arkansas, the duck capital of the world. He has a kennel, probably the most successful kennel in the history of the United States. He might say that I, he might check me on that, but it's one of them from the, from ESPN outdoor game days to the SRS to every hunt test field trial, you name it. Chris Aiken has done it. Chris, welcome my man. Hi everybody. How you doing? I'm doing good, buddy. How's Arkansas? Is it humid down there? It is unbelievable. Day, day's worst day we've had for sure. No breeze whatsoever. Nine degrees. We got a two inch rain yesterday. Just baking it right out of the ground. It was a rough day out there today for sure. Is it? Is it? Got? Have you ever been one of those trainers that's left Arkansas, or is it a pretty? Is it a state to where you can stay year round and train? No, I have left before and gone up. The problem is, is the size of the kennel we have. We've got 95 or 96 dogs in training right now, and it's just hard to pack up that many dogs and go and train and, you know, keep them all safe and keep them. So what we do, we start here at literally at the crack of daylight. We're throwing the first birds, and, you know, we're getting done by 1 or 2 o'clock. we got plenty of shade. <clears throat> we can stay in the water a lot this time of year. Uh, when the dogs come back, we chain them out. And, you know, and, and the good thing is with our dogs is that we are so fortunate to be able to feed, you know, really good feed and keep them, you know, the right nutrition. We keep them hydrated. We got them in the shade. Then on top of that, these dogs are their conditioned to it. I mean, these guys are, they're athletes and they're running and gunning every day. And uh, I mean, you'd be amazed how well they do. I, but now I'm the right opposite. I eat the wrong food and got the wrong shape and I'm out there in the sun baking. And, and uh, so it, it's hard, way harder on me than it is the dogs. I mean, I'll tell you, it was a rough one out there today. It was absolutely miserable. I want to get into the daily operations, but I wanted to start this conversation off Aiken by, you kind of alluded to it there. Um, athletes, you could, you referred to these dogs as athletes. So if you look at the LeBron James or the, or the, the, the Mike Trouts or the, the, the Tom Brady's, the stud athletes in sports, it's evolved the way that we diet, the, the nutrition, the way we work out, the way that that you could play 365 days a year if you're a high school baseball player now and on these traveling teams. And I, I'm sure that you know what I talk about. Then you transition that into what you and I love and hunting. OK, everything has evolved. Right, Chris, the shotguns, the ammunition, the camouflage, the waders, the the boats, the motors, how you can access places has the sporting dog has the duck dog evolved chris aiken has it changed is there a is it the same dog that our grandparents and our dads were hunting over back in the 50s 60s and 70s or is this a new species has the sporting dog and the duck dog evolved in your opinion 
I mean, man, let me tell you, they're not even close. Today's dog is so much different from what it was. I mean, I've been doing this for over 30 years, and the dog that we have today, a weak one is like the best one we had 30 years ago. And, I mean, there's people that may argue the point, and that's fine and great, but I'm telling you, these guys we got today, you understand that when you talked about travel baseball and you talked about basketball and volleyball and something – that's in the human world, okay? When when you got that, it's completely different because we're not doing genetics, okay? We're in the dog world. We're doing all genetics every day. That's all we worry about is genetics. And what we've done is we've bred the finest dogs there is, talent and health-wise together in order to have what we have today. You take today's dog with the kind of equipment that we have today compared to what we had 30 years ago. You talk about the type of training techniques that we have that we compared to what we had 30 years ago. I mean, then the information that's out there on the internet, in videos, you know, live stream every day that you got access to is, is unbelievable. Compared to what 30 years ago, you had to go to a trainer and hang out with him for two years and hope you grab a little bit of information, spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours with him. Now everything's right at our fingertips. But the main ingredient we have is the dog. The dogs are absolutely unbelievable. Now, what these dogs naturally do, man, you couldn't do all that. I mean, you know, those guys used to train some rude ways back 30 years ago. I mean, it was rude stuff. They didn't call that, you know, uh, they, they call it abuse now. And now we just don't train that way. Now, I mean, it's a completely different method. Everything's progressive repetition. Everything's chip, 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 and crawl, crawl, crawl. And it gets done. It used to, it was just rude methods. I mean, it was horrible to watch. Nobody wanted to see it nowadays, man. Anybody can do it. I mean, it's amazing. But it, it all comes from backing all the way up to, to the genetics of the dogs that we're using today. They understand how to be trained and they understand how to go straight and they understand how to go get the bird. I mean, these dogs are super athletes. They're fed the best for dog food and they got the best training techniques. And I mean, th- these, these dogs that are born today are unbelievable. I, what I can't wait to see is what it's going to be like 20 years, 30 years from now. I mean, those dogs are going to be incredible. It's just I can't wait to see what it's going, what the, what the future holds for us in the dog world. So you and I were at an event last year with Yukonuba, and, and part of that event was was wrapped around the racehorse industry, the Kentucky Derby, the Oaks. Is it comparable these days? And I'm not saying that a dog. I know that dogs have a lot of value. You know way more about the value of certain dogs and pedigrees, pedigrees and breedings than I do. But when you start talking racehorses, you know these things, the sperm and everything. I mean, it's amazing what these horses have done and transitioned into, and their how much their how the value now. Are sporting dogs going that way now too, to where you're going to find a pedigree to where there's dogs being sold for an ungodly amount of money to where to even a guy like you shakes his head and goes, you got to be kidding me. Well, you know, I don't think so. And I think, I think that the, the, the racehorses blows my mind when I hear the kind of numbers they talk about in that, but here's the difference. Now you got to remember you and I duck hunt and goose hunt as much as anybody you and I know. And we, we can say, Hey, it doesn't matter what a dog costs. We got to have it. I mean, we got to have a dog that does the deed and we got to have the one that can grind it out and get out there and get all the birds. Yeah. But, but, but really, for nine out of 10 people that don't get to do that, what's their dog going to be the main thing they're going to do? It's going to be their pet and their companion. They go to the office with them. They ride in the back seat with them. They're in a ski boat with them. They're in a bass boat with them. They're in a bed with them. I mean, they're family pets and companions. And nobody, nobody's scared to spend $1,500, $2,000, $2,500 on a good, good bred puppy because they get to use that thing 365. I mean, that racehorse is sitting over there in a, in a stall 
there, I mean, all of them I know of are six digits anymore. And, you know, I don't ever think the dog world's going to be that way uh, for the guy that's a serious duck hunter and a family pet companion. At least I hope it's not ever going to be that way. Uh, you know, we're going to price ourselves out of the deal. But, I mean, you know, uh, in the field trial world, there's some dogs that's going for that. I've seen dogs sell for over $100,000. I saw two sell one week for over that in the field trial world. Now, we're talking about hunt test dogs, family pet companion duck dogs. You know, and those dogs sell for big money now. But it, it's not – it's definitely not out of the ballpark for what compared to what all this other equipment costs today. I mean, God dang, every shotgun I know of now is fifteen to $1,800, $2,500, and boats are $20,000, $25,000. I mean, who ever heard of that 10 years ago, you know? No, I agree. And um, when you start talking about the horses and you hear of, well, if it isn't going to win, he's not going to be part of the stock. He's not going to be here. He's put out the pasture, right? He's he's whatever happens, happens. What what is the transparency like for Chris Aiken these days with as established as you have become in this world and not just hunt test and field test, but in actual hunting and, and, and being out there and, and proving that these dogs coming out of web footed kennels are hunters. Are you very honest up front, Chris, with a client? If he brings his or her dog to you and you don't see it in them, does that dog get let out? and just say, Hey, this is, he doesn't have what it takes. I wouldn't waste your money. Or is it something where all dogs are created equal and you have to put your pride away and say, we're going to train him and we're going to get him back. Or is it a hundred percent up to the client? How does that work? Well, we, we try to get them what we call, I always try to tell my trainers, we got to get these guys in bed with us. Okay. The owners and we give them, man, we, we become, we tell them everything negative, all the positive stuff you can see. I mean, you throw a retrieve dog goes and gets it. He hits the water, does whatever. I mean, everybody can see that, but there's a lot more rules that go along with all that. And we have to, we have to bring that owner in, reel them in and and, then let them know about all the negatives. And then they make the decision on what, we're going to do now you know as a duck dog you know a dog has to have a ton of retrieving desire has to be good with gunfire has to be good in the water good with birds i mean there are a few real minor deals that we have to that we have to really you know uh, basic deals that we have to worry about then past that man we just let them know what all the dogs negatives and positives are but it's no different i got a son that's 14 years old and he did he's done the travel ball deal all the way through and it, it doesn't matter how much batting practice you get how much pitching practice you get how many times you practice it at the end of the day they are who they are and they're either great or they're not and you know and they just kind of self-weed out as we go up the ladder you know we run a lot of hunt tests and as you go through season and finished and seniors and masters and talk about the grand or talk about the national or maybe run a qual i mean it's just the same way you, you, you saw all these guys like in baseball when you and i grew up Certain guys were played little league and they were superstars. They got to high school and they were just a run of the mill deal. Then, then all those guys that were superstars in high school, they were run of the mill in college. And then, but there's always one or two that were really special, played college, and they got to go play minor ball. And then even even fewer of those guys went and played major league ball. You know what I mean? But then, and what's amazing is, like, I work for some major league baseball players right now, and they'll tell you right now, I was common in high school. They, they blossomed and they developed later on and they became in the same way with dogs. I have some dogs. I got one right now. It's a young dog. I didn't think anything of it. It's one of my favorite dogs on my truck right now. Probably my top three every single day. Uh, but, you know, it just took some time to get her there. And, and man, she just turned it on and, man, just just absolutely became that major league player. Uh, although as a youngster, she wasn't in that great in little league, if you know what I mean. So, you know, sometimes it just takes some time and and uh, and the owner was very patient with her and we, we told him the whole time. We showed him every day and uh, that dog's incredible nowadays. One of my favorite dogs I've ever trained. So sticking with the baseball theme, Chris Aiken, and you hear the term, and I don't know if your son's at the age where he's heard the term five-tool player yet. You know, the, a lot of scouts will, and, and recruiters will judge a player on five tools in baseball. What 
um, not getting into field tests or anything that you've been successful at, but what do we look for in the tools of a good dog? I want to go into like, obviously you, you mentioned one with the desire to retrieve has to be there, but is it eyesight? Is it the ability to learn Are dog are more dogs coachable than other dogs? Is it their hips? Is it their teeth? What may, goes into the tools of what this female that you're referring to has become that makes it one of the top three favorite dogs on your truck right now? Well, I mean, the deal is, is she's so trainable and she, she wants to please. Man, you get a dog that's trainable that wants to please you. I mean, the sky's the limit. And then now it's just as good as you are and how good you can make her. And the deal is when she's out there every day, she's trying to be a better dog every single day. Not all of them are that way. I got some of them trying to get out of the whole thing. They just put me back on the couch. I just don't need animal crackers and be done for the rest of the day. But then there's other dogs out there. They're trying to please me, trying to do what I need to do. And then they also have the, this dog had great genetics. And, uh, you know, she's using all the talents that the God and her mom and dad gave her. And, man, we just became a winning team together. I mean, she's a wonderful dog. I forgot her sister same way. She's incredible. Uh, you know, but, but the deal is, is you got to start off with a great puppy, you know, and everybody says, oh, how do I find a great puppy? Well, you know, and I, you and I both know we've seen dogs with, with super, super pedigrees uh, that we didn't know the, the dogs. And when they got puppies out of them, they were too wild. They were too crazy. Heaven forbid they whined in the duck blind. They barked in the duck blind. They were just too much for that. You, you, you gotta, you can't just look at a pedigree and go, this dog's got this title, this title, this title. If you're looking for a duck dog, now I'm back to a duck dog now. Okay. If you want a duck dog, the best thing to do, you want to hear about that dog hunting. I mean, you know, as well as I do, we've seen dogs that don't even, and have all the titles the best hunting dog men you ever hunt with right i mean i got dogs that i've hunted with for the years that didn't even have a hunt retriever champion title and picked up thousands and thousands of ducks and hunting with that dog every day i've also hunted with dogs like i do now my entire club every dog in's a grand champion master hunter minimum and those dogs are all wonderful dogs to hunt with and all that but you've got to get some references you've got to talk to these people and find out what their characteristics are in the blind in the house in the back seat, what they act like, and and, and you got to get somebody that's truthful with you too. Because I mean, and look, we do a lot of breeds, and I'm not doing a big sales pitch for me to sell more puppies. I'm just telling you the facts. We do a lot of breedings. We sell a lot of puppies. We probably sell 30, 40 puppies a month. But the deal is, when we're selling these puppies, our goal is to get those dogs back for training. And, and so we're going to load the dice and we're going to breed dogs that we know love the game are very trainable, are very healthy. You know, we, man, today's world, the health deal is huge. You got hips, elbows, shoulders, EIC, CNM, you know, eyes. I mean, we do EKGs. I mean, they, they're doing 20, 30 tests a, a dog nowadays compared to 10 years ago. You check the hips and said, hey, he's good to go. And it's all good today. It's not like that. And uh, then heaven forbid you jump over into like the golden retrievers. They got even more testing and chest pegs even more than that. And I mean, there's so many things that go into this thing that, that, that to make sure that you're going to have a dog that's healthy make sure you're gonna have a very trainable dog and a dog is willing to please and wants to work and is not going to be an idiot when it comes to hunting because i mean i mean i tell you today's world has changed so much because we all these pictures chad that you and i see of these dogs hitting the water and water flying off of them 10 15 foot high okay that's what that's what we expect nowadays that's we want that friggin' athlete that's going 40 miles an hour when he hits the water right at, at 10 yards out the problem is that comes with a price tag. 
Okay, that comes with a price tag. Not every Corvette's going to go good in a duck blind, to the duck blind. You know, they're not going to go good in a rice field. They're not going to go good in a swamp. So what you got to do, you got that dog's got all that desire, well, that may cause a lot of other problems. So you got to get that happy medium in there, but the only way you're going to know if you're getting it or not is if you if you've got some good references on the on the mom, on the dad, you hear about them hunting, you hear about them running hunt tests, you hear about them training, you see what titles they got, you see all their health clearances. And so there's, there's a lot to this, but it's, it's, not, it's really not. I mean, man, you make a couple of phone calls and get everything you need to know. It's all on paper nowadays. It's easy to figure out what, you know, uh, about the health clearances, about the pedigree. You talk to a couple of people that, that, that have hunted with them and then go from there. But I mean, I'm telling you, if a dog that whines or he barks or he's just too much for the average guy, we're not breeding that dog. And, and we're breeding dogs that are great pets, great family companions, and great duck dogs. And then past that, then we go out there the hunt test titles and, and get all that. But all these dogs have been tested on their hips, elbows, shoulders, hips and eyes. They've had all the, 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 the testing for CNM and EIC to make sure that you're going to have a dog long-term that's going to be a great healthy dog. Because the last thing you want to do is have your dog have some health issues at three or four years into it and break everybody's you know, heart in the family. Uh, it's just, it's, 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 it's horrible. I've seen it happen. I've known it for it to happen. And we try to prevent that at all costs. We, a couple times in there, Aiken, you referred to squealing and whining in the blind. Oh. I per, I personally, and I, oh. I just, I hear you saying that, and that's me in a duck blind, what happened. So you, right before you said those words about squealing and whining, you mentioned you're not going to breed that dog if they do it. Is, are you, are you telling me in one way or another, in one word or the other, that squealing is genetics and you can't train it out of a dog? Or can well, you train, can, can you get a dog to quick run? <laughs> I can tell you right now, it's one of the hardest things I deal with to try to fix for people. There's not one single day from the 1st of September until the end of January, there's not one single day I don't get a phone call from somebody in the United States that I may have never met. They're reaching out to all the professional trainers in the country. Somebody wants somebody to tell them, because here's what they do. Man, my dog, Bo, he's the greatest. He does this. He does that. I mean, this dude does everything but can drive the boat, right? I mean, he can he can do it all. He's the greatest dog. he tell you for 20 minutes how great Bo is. And you know what's coming. You're driving down the road listening to this guy talking and telling him about how great Bo is. And here comes the, the famous word, but. But changes the whole conversation, okay? Now, Bo's horrible. And here's why Bo's horrible. Bo's horrible because he whines, he barks, or he does both while the ducks are coming in, while they're working, or whatever. Now, look, I'm very fortunate that I get to hunt in the timber every day. I hunt every day. I hunted last year, I hunted 62 days in the timber. When I hunt in the timber, our thing to do is we're hunting around Cash River and we're lucky enough to have some, 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 some groups that come through that are pretty nice. You know, and I call a nice group. 20, 25 birds, maybe bigger. But what's always going to happen with us, there's going to be one or two birds come in there and land on the water and sit down, maybe three or four. We're going to let that other group make one more pass, and then we're going we're gonna to cut into them after that. When we're doing that, if you have a dog that whines, creeps, barks, squeals, whatever you want to call it, when those two light, those three light, he's going to go ballistic. When he goes ballistic, those two or three are coming off the water, and now i got to call the shot, and we're going to shoot in those two or three. There is nobody in my bunch – Nobody cares about shooting two or three ducks out of a 25 group. I can promise you. 
they're there for the show. They're there for the big show. They're there for the big bang. My, these guys I hunt with are all older. They've been there, done that, seen a hundred times. They do not care about singles and pairs and three. If they go in, go out, they don't care. But it better not be because of my dog or somebody else's dog that's there. That you're, you're going to be a very uncomfortable dog handler if your dog does that with us hunting because it's gonna it's gonna cause a lot of ill feelings because everybody's there for the show and they don't want to hear that crap go on. So that dog will be replaced really quick. So uh, I expect everybody else to have that same the same attitude about it too because believe me, the worst dog handler there is is a dog screaming hollering, whining, barking, whatever. And the guy acts like it's not even going on. You know what I mean? I know you've seen it. 100%. I mean, that sucker's over there. That sucker's over there making, making so much racket and he's trying to ignore it's even going on. But, you've but got for, to try to do something. For years, Aiken, I've had this guilty conscience of how I react because I've never been the guy to let it continue to where a lot of people be like, ah, it's just Harold. He's down there with old, old Benny or whatever. And I'm like, Hey, get him in the truck because this is not going to be an enjoyable hunt for the people that are involved in it. And as mean as that sounds, it's, I think it's the responsibility and the, in the prior days leading up to that hunt that should have been handled a long time ago, because I, I I've always attributed to, and again, I'm, I'm saying stuff, I'm being transparent with you and you're way more qualified yeah, to say yeah. this. I've always a qualified, I've always attributed it to Aiken to separation anxiety. My mom's got a golden retriever. He's laying on the couch or through, you don't make a sound. She puts him in the kennel and goes to the store for some milk. the whole world like hell just broke loose right like he won't he's just like not around her and i've always thought that it had something to do with not enough attention being given to that dog at that time but now you're saying that it might have something to do with genetics and that you're getting this constantly Oh, I guarantee you it has something to do with, with breeding. Look, it, it, you and I never saw this 30 years ago. We never saw it 20 years ago. I mean, you, you might have known a guy that knew a guy that's first cousin, sister's brother, had a dog that did that, but you never were experiencing it. It's every single day. This is like at hunt tests right now. I see dogs sticking on birds all the time. Sticking means when they come back with a third bird or the blind, they're going to hang on the bird and not give it up. 20 years ago, I never saw that. That's another deal. And people say, oh, that's from pressure. That's from meal training. That's from not knowing how to force fetch. That's all, man, it, it, believe me, it's all genetics. We've seen this with the same lines go all the way through. There used to be a dog that we, we used to breed to all the time called Cosmo. It was an FC, AFC dog, incredible dog through these wild retrieving maniac puppies. I had two or three litters out of him before I finally just couldn't take it anymore. But they were just too much. They were too much. That Canuck dog I won a Super Retriever Series with, that Fever dog that I won a Super Retriever both those dogs were out of out of Cosmo. But it took somebody like me to keep my thumb on them and keep leaning on them all the time and keep that pressure on them all the time to keep them under control. The average guy's not going to do that. And, you know, and, and Chad, you know as well as I do, when we're hunting, you and I have a ton of different jobs. We're, we're the make sure the boat runs. We're the make sure we got all the gear. We're the make sure the decoys are set right. The blinds came out. We're cooking. We're calling. Man, we got 50 jobs every day. We're not in the guide business, but at the same time, we're, 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 there. we're entertainment committee, and we got to make sure everything works well, and we want this to work as fast as possible, quick as possible. We can get out there and let those birds rest. We got enough jobs to do without having to stay on top of a dog. You know, like the dogs I hunt, if they cause me any trouble at all, I go to the house, get me another one. I'm not putting up with it. I can't because I'm there to entertain, better to have a good time, and I'm there to let that dog do his deal. He is a, a very big part of my life on a daily basis, but he's also a tool when it comes to 60 days out of the season. 
And so we've got to have a dog that responds and does what we want when we want to ask. We want so that everybody in the blind can enjoy it. You know, we both hunt with a lot of a lot of people, and uh, and we we just don't want about to have a good time. And a dog that whines, squeals, barks, no place for it in a blind with me. I can promise you. It, it, my anxiety goes through the roof. I'm uh, be right or be wrong. I can't take it. How important has has this mindset been to your success in both training and hunting of of knowing what your expectations are and not compromising because i i honestly think hey can you tell me if i'm wrong again is that there's a lot of compromise done when it comes to a dog because people feel that connection that pet they love him they love her and then when they're not suitable to be in that blind with you and your hunt crew in the woods that morning it's almost like they'll compromise the hunt to let that dog run over them and control the hunt when really the amount of money sweat equity work everything that's gone into that day's hunt you have to there's not there shouldn't be any compromise right you've done it in business you've done it in your hunt clubs you you don't compromise you want the best because you're in the entertainment business and that's your livelihood and compromise is just going to one it's either going to ruin a hunt because your patients are going to run out or two safety is going to be put in jeopardy of that dog because a mistake could happen of a break or him jumping off when the shots called it whatever it is you know what i mean a mistake can happen and then everybody's like whoa but if if you don't compromise that mistake's not going to happen is that fair to say? Yeah, I think the only compromise I'm going to make during a hunt is a young dog. Now, we didn't all come out professional duck hunters. I mean, you wasn't the goose collar and the duck collar and the wizard that you are at waterfowl hunting that 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 you are today. And you 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 started off, and I know you made a ton of mistakes, just like everybody does. And that's how we got to where you know that you are today. And, and young dogs the same way. So there is a little bit of compromise on a young dog, you know, getting that dog up and going and all that. But let's face it, if you got a dog that's, you know, he's in his second season, third season or whatever, there's, there's, I mean, that's prime time. You know, that dog between three and five years old, I mean, it's, you're supposed to have everything polished out, you know, lined out. And then you're supposed to be able to enjoy that dog from three, four, five, six, seven years old. I mean, at eight years old, that dude can do everything but run an outboard motor out there. You know what I mean? I mean, he knows the game better than half your hunting buddies do. You're supposed to be able to enjoy it. If you can't do that with those dogs, well, then we've either A, skipped some steps, or B, we got the wrong – we've started with the wrong product. You know what I mean? That The wrong dog. And so uh, – but we, we're we not – unless it's a young dog and, man, we're out there helping that dog get going, we're not going to compromise anything. I mean, we're just not. And we're, we're fortunate enough to – have guys that, that I hunt with every day that understand young dogs, but I'm going to tell you right now, if that dog doesn't do what it needs to do, then, um, you know, we're, we're probably not going to be hunting that dog very long. We're going to get, we're going to do something different. So in the event that you do think that you're going to have to do a lot of coaching, a lot of work, whatever, man, be just mindful and be mindset. It's, you know, you're not going to go out there with 10 of your closest buddies and do it on that day. You're going to go out there the blind by yourself. You're going to go somewhere where you're not a guest. You're going to go somewhere where you can work on that. And now, now all of a sudden it's dog training slash duck hunting, not duck hunting slash dog training. You know what I'm saying? I'm making 100%. sense. I, I, I'm not, I'm not no. trying to be, I'm not trying to make everybody like, man, this guy's a Nazi and he's a, he's a, he's, you know, he's too much about this. It's it, the deal is you got to understand not everybody loves your dog like you do. Not everybody wants your dog there like you do. Uh, we, we have a lot of guests that come with us that, that don't like the dog deal at all until they're not having to go out there and do anything about it, about getting the ducks. You know, then they go, yeah, that dog's a pretty good deal. Well, yeah, it's a pretty good deal, but the deal is they don't see the value until they actually get out there and hunt with us and see how easy it is to hunt. Because you know as well as I do, there's nothing worse than hunting with a bad dog, and there's nothing better than hunting with a good one. 
And we've had, we've had both. I've had both of them blind me at the same time a bunch of times. And uh, not every great dog is going to have a great day every day either. You know, they make mistakes and hey, we're chipping and we're curbing on them. But that's dog training. But there's there's a point in there that it becomes too much that with whoever you got in your party, if I'm making sense. So you got to be mindful of who you got with you and what you got going on, how much time you spend on dog training versus how much time you spend on hunting. Is there a, is there a right answer to why labradors have taken the baton and ran with it they've taken the torch and they've ran with it when it comes to the quote-unquote favorite of american waterfowl hunters is there a reason for that aiken and second part of the question is is there a such thing as a good golden retriever and a good chesapeake retriever when it comes to being in the duck blind and being a hammer Man, I've had the best golden retrievers in the country. Put them up against anybody, and I think anybody that knows me knows that. Uh, I love golden retrievers. I love Chesapeake's. I love a good dog. I don't care what it is. So you can have them no matter what. I mean, I, I, I mean, you, any breed. I see pictures all the time on Facebook. Guys got a, 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 a Brittany. He's got a, a herding dog. Whatever he's got, he's out there ducking. Hey, I, I'm not saying any of them can't do it. The lab has definitely taken over the country and, and but here's the thing you know it's thoroughbreds there's a lot more thoroughbreds when a kentucky derby than there is mules hey it just worked you know what i mean it just worked <laughs> and uh, the guys with the mules just kind of went away and the guys with the thoroughbreds just kept winning you know what i mean so now there's not too many mules at the kentucky derby it's the same as that way that we just all figure out what works we all figure out what what wins and that's what we go with and so the labs have definitely made it easier you know, today's society wants something different. They want Boykins. They want dry tires. They want something that looks a little bit different, a little goofy. Hey, whatever. That's your deal. That's your deal. But believe me, if you want something that works, you want to make your life easy, you want to make it successful in a small amount of time. I mean, dog training doesn't take any time on a great dog. It's it's a very chip, 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 what I call crawl, walk, run. It's very easy on a good dog, and it's very aggravating on a, on a dog that's not very good. And so start with something that's good, and, man, you'll see how fun it is. It'll become a great hobby of yours and a great pastime, and it's something you can do with your whole family. Get your kids involved, your wife involved. Everybody loves it when things are going well. So start with something that everybody will have fun with, and I think it'll be a great experience for everybody. Tell me about your most favorite dog that you've ever trained, that you've ever hunted with. What was his name? I assume it's a him if I'm thinking of the right dog. And tell me a little bit about the history. Well, my favorite dog I ever hung with was a dog named Boomer, and he was a black lab. His timing was absolutely impeccable in my life, and uh, and it, and his timing was really impeccable in the in the world of dogs. To be honest with you, uh, there was a huge explosion in two thousand and three, two thousand and four in the dog world because of an event called the Super Retriever Series, and the Super Retriever Series was was built and designed by a lady named Shannon Nardi, and and her. Uh, dad had a great connection with ESPN. They put together a game uh, in the Super Retriever Series world, Super Retriever Series world, and they put it together and and uh, with some help and and they they put together an, an incredible event to educate the general public on what a Labrador Retriever, a Golden, a Chesapeake could actually do. And the people didn't have any idea that these dogs could do what they do. And and Boomer was was four years old uh, in two thousand and three. Uh, he was in the prime of his life. Uh, Boomer was my personal dog. At that time, I was running a pretty good-sized operation hunting-wise. We killed a lot, a lot of ducks. Uh, he was my main dog every day. He was – he just – I mean, no matter we were in timber, tree line, wherever we were, he got it done. He picked up 
and literally he picked up over 20,000 ducks in his life. And so a lot of experience, uh, dog had a, a tremendous amount of heart, tremendous amount of drive, really good looking dog. Uh, he was a local bred dog here. We bred the dog and had him as a puppy, trained him all the way through. And just just a lot of fun. That's, that's the, probably the first, he's been dead now for, I'm gonna say eight nine years. That's probably that's probably the first conversation I've had that long about him without breaking down crying. And it's been uh, ten did, year, ten years ago when that happened. I mean, I, I'm telling you, that, that is the first conversation I've been able to have about. It. I still, it just man, it just tugs at my heart so hard. Now we got tons of puppies here out of him and grand puppies out of him, and and uh, you know still having a blast. When I got, I still got some semen left on him. We're still breeding him, and uh, like I, I just got done training a dog directly out of him just just thirty minutes ago. And uh, man, still, I, I mean, I put pet that hair and it'll wave you back. It'll wave well, hairs just different on the back, man. It just brings tears to my eyes every time I do it. And, and that's a puppy. Uh, that dog been dead for 10 years. Amazing. Is it, that's the greatest feeling of a duck hunter that ha- that you have that relationship. And that's when I, when I, I didn't know if I should bring Boomer up cause I know how you, how you, your history with him, but you talk about a dog that had, he had products named after him. He was on the cover of, of duck hunting products and he was in magazines and covers of magazines. And, when, when, when you have a dog that that's special and you just alluded to it, that you get to see his puppies and see his, his ancestral line come down and still here we are in 2020 hunting over boomer sperm. Does it make you, does it make you have any regrets at all? Was there any other dogs that you wish you had that with, or is boomer that one that was just like the cornerstone of what web footed kennels has become? I tell you, I think I've even had better dogs than Boomer as far as trained dogs. I just don't know that I ever had a dog with a bigger heart and a bigger desire to please me. And that's a deadly combination. And that, you know, you get the desire, the love for the game. Chad, you know as well as I do, there's dogs that love hunting and there's dogs that just go hunting. You know what I mean? Just like people. And I mean, there's, there's very few people that lay around 365 and think about how to kill one more freaking duck and one more goose like you and I do. And that's what Boomer did. Boomer laid around just, just dreaming of killing one more duck and one more goose. I mean, uh, man, we carried him on it. We, when the day he turned 13 years old, uh, we carried him hunting. And uh, he, at that time, he had cancer, ate up his whole front shoulder. He was 13 years old, so he was not in good shape. Dog had a lot of miles on him, you know, as you can imagine. I had to hold him up uh, on a dog ramp in front of my favorite blind that I hunt. And uh, and we, we, we shot him a couple ducks, and we videoed the whole thing. It was really, it was painful to watch because he was, but here's the thing. Although he couldn't get around, and he could he had a hard time in the mud and in the water and all that. I mean, it was all horrible in, in, the, in, the, in the world of video. But the dog's heart and his brain was still there and wanting those ducks and watching every one of them come into decoys and go out. I mean, it's just incredible to watch a dog that loved it as much as he did. I mean, he just, you know, they're just sometimes marriages really work out and, and sometimes they don't. And that was a great marriage in my life. And like I said, his timing was impeccable because when the really the Super Trooper Series boom really hit, it was 03, 04. He was right in the middle. He won his first one in 03. And, and, uh, he was so, he was so fun to watch run and so fun to watch do his thing. And, and, uh, him and he really got a lot of people into the game because they said, man, I want a dog just like that. And, and I, and I did too. I wanted one, I wanted another one just like him. And I, you know, I've got one real similar now. And, uh, but there's just it's very, very few of them that love it as much as he did. And like I say, his timing was right. And, you know, thank God for Shannon, what she did, because, you know, she put him on the map uh, with, with her venue and, and uh, everybody got to enjoy him uh, as much as I did. When you when you think about what you just said about the love you have for Boomer to this day and the relationship and marriage you had with that dog, 
Do you wish that God would have done things different, Chris Aiken? You're a Southern man. You, you, you're, I'm sure you're a God-fearing man. Do you wish that God would have made it to where you only got one dog and he stayed at one age for your entire life? If God can do that and he can make, and he can make animals live, you know, there's mooses that live, and there's animals that live forever. Do you wish that God would have done things a little different with the Labrador or with the duck dog or with whatever companion you have and just say, even if it's a pet, and just said, hey, this is the dog for Chris Aiken. Him and Boomer are going to be together forever. You ever think about well, something like that? I, I, I think about that. Let me tell you, the day that Boomer passed away, it was so hard on me. I went and I got in my Jeep, had top off of it, and I just took off driving. Just took off driving and thinking about all the relationships and all the places and all the things and business-wise and everything that that dog had done for me. Chad, just incredible. I mean, we're talking about a dog here. We're talking about a, a Labrador Retriever, just a dog. And what all that dog had done me was just incredible. So I'm thinking about all the deals I've negotiated and all the deals I've done through the years in the outdoor industry. And I thought, hey, you know, if I could go to God and I could renegotiate a deal for all of us with great dogs, what, I, what would I do? What, what would you do different if I could do it? And I thought, would you do, would you do 50 years on a dog? And I thought, no. I don't want to do 50 years because I'm not going to be here in 50 years and nobody takes care of my dog like I do. I said, okay, 25 years. And I thought, man, I'm, I'm freaking 40 something years old, 25 years. I may not even be here then. My men and my family don't last very long. I may not be here. So I know 25 in it either. And I thought, all right, let's go the other way. Five years. I said, no, not five years. Cause that's just when they're really in their prime and they're not really, you know, really just getting, getting, getting going and really got it going on. I thought, you know what? As usual, God nailed it right on the head. He did. He gave us 10, 12 years. And here's what he also gave us. He gives us those experiences and he gives us all that knowledge that I learned with Boomer and I learned about dog training and all the stuff I got. And then I carried that to the Boomer puppies and other dogs that I trained and other people that I got. And I got to redo it. And it, let me tell you, the funnest thing is not a five-year-old dog getting that big, long retrieve in a rice field or in the slough or in a swamp or in a timber. It's that freaking one-year-old that's get, got one across two logs and over there by the by that other stump. You know what I mean? And, and if you always had an old dog, you would never get to have those experiences watching your new puppy and your new dog develop into a great duck dog and, and, and develop into a true partner for you and I in the boat. You would never have that experience again. And what, what that would be robbing you. So as usual, God nailed it and he nailed it around the head. And, and uh, man, just thank God because I've, I've had a lot of neat experiences since Boomer's been gone with new dogs. And I mean, I got, I got dogs in my duck club right now. They're young and, and uh, man, a lot of fun. And we get to watch them develop into what we want to have down there at Red Legs. And so, uh, man, I wouldn't have that if, if Boomer was still here because I'd be hunting Boomer every day. So, so thank God that God does what he does. And he's great and does it every day. So keep it into consideration that God nailed it. And you have Boomer until he's 13. You have access to the greatest dogs in the country on a daily basis. But not every duck hunter or dog owner, dog handler does, Chris Hagen. What would you tell me of what age do I start looking for my next puppy to get him going by the time that this dog is probably on his or her way out or is not going to be a hammer in the blind anymore is it five or is it eight is it nine how old do do i wait until i start looking for my next one you know i think it takes most people two years a dog of two years old to be really where they want it to be in a blind to handle 
you know, a, a 24, a 36, or a 42, 48 duck day, you know. So dogs usually two years old where you can do that. Now, you know well, you know as well as I do, we're getting to the age now that a lot of our buddies are really slowing down already, and some of them hadn't slowed down a lick, not going to till they're 70, 75, 80 years old. I mean, I got one of my best friends, 80 years old, he's going just like wildfire. So I think that every genetics is a little different. Every dog's different. So, But I, if you see your dog starting to slow down a little bit, not being, and as hard as it is to admit it, that he's slowing down, it's, it's time to start thinking about because you've got about two years. And, you, and here's the problem, man. It's just like an old shotgun. It's just like an old duck haul. Man, you don't want to give them up. You don't want to be without them. You want to be in it, man. You go to the woods, you want you want that duck call you got. You want that favorite coat you got on, that favorite hat. But you know what? In the dog world, it doesn't last. They don't last forever. And uh, you got to start building for a new one. So, Because, man, the last thing you want to do is be without a dog out there. Because I promise you, these people that I know that they're waiting too long, they won't even go hunting. They'll skip half the season because they're like, you know what? I didn't have Susie out there. I had to get my own ducks. It just took away from the whole experience. I just, you know, and. My buddy brought his dog, and he's really not that good. And it just, it just, it kills them. So you, you know, um, and uh, you know, I mean, and most families I know down here anymore, you know, we all used to have one dog, and everybody's got two and three, and now it's a struggle to figure out who you do carry to the blind. You know what I mean? Yeah. So most people got ahead of this game, and they're they're they understand it. We've all got. Uh, a lot of people used to have drinking problems. Now people got Labrador problems. They got too many. <laughs> <of them. laughs> so. So anyway, it's a lot of fun though. And I mean, you know, there's nothing better than having a great dog out there. And I mean, I wouldn't, I, I will not go hunting without a dog. I mean, I'm not going without a dog. I mean, it's gotta be some kind of crazy weather for I'm saying I'm not carrying a dog and, and uh, we don't have that here in Arkansas very much. So, uh, so I just don't enjoy it. It's just not part of the, part of the experience for me not to be out there with, with a dog. But Chris, the real question is, even if you have your dog with you and they're in the rice, but not the trees, do you still go to the trees and just hope that they come in there? Cause you're not going to hunt rice or do you hunt where they're at? Because I know me, I could see a hundred thousand of them in a pit blind in a rice check. And I'm still going to the woods because, and I'm not even from the South or Arkansas like you are. I'm humbled to get to go there, but there's something about those woods that do you even consider going to the rice anymore? No. <laughs> I, the only way that I'll hunt rice field now, and I, this sounds so spoiled, and I was call it what it is. I've been so fortunate, but I hunted rice fields forever. And look, there's no more funner place to watch a dog work. There's no more funner place, but it is nasty. It is, it is barbaric to me uh, in a way. Uh, and, and, and we, and I, I'm here. I'm admitting I'm spoiled again, but I have been fortunate enough that that you know we hunt in the timber. Uh, we stand beside a tree. We get to kick water and call ducks in. If we don't hunt that way, we got big wooden blinds. Uh, you know we're all getting older in age, and and we can sit in a blind, and and we we got stove and ovens in there, and we got bar stools in there, and we got wall eaters. We really spoil ourselves on that deal, and we can enjoy ourselves in the woods. I would rather kill one wood duck in the woods as I had 15 <laughs> mallards in a rice field. And that's just how pathetic it is for me. But, uh, man, last year, I'm telling you, I hunted 60 days of duck season, two days of youth. Uh, I hunted all 62 days in a timber. And, uh, you know, we got skunked a few days. Who cares? You know, we stomped a mud hole in them a bunch of days too. I don't care anymore about killing ducks. I care about being out there with my friends, my buddies, my dog, and that's going out there and having a good time. There's nothing better than walking out of the lodge that morning and getting in the boat, firing that thing up and uh, smelling that 50 to one and, and man going out there across the water and getting in the blind and putting the decoys out and man, and you know, the ducks are just a bonus to me now. I mean, I'm 53 years old. So, you know, I've, I've killed 
few ducks and a few die. Had a great time doing it. And I've been real fortunate. I hunt with the exact same guys I've been hunting with. Uh, one guy I hunt with, he hunts with me every single day. We've been hunting together every day since 1989. There's not one story he hadn't heard 10 million times or not one of his stories I hadn't heard 10 million times. And we still don't want to miss one day with each other. It's a blast. And, uh, but it's just more about us spending time together. None of us are getting any younger. And, uh, but we just, we really have a great time just being out there and getting to do the deal. And, uh, and, you know, Hey, the ducks, like I say, it's just a bonus. And when we were fortunate enough last year, we had a fantastic year year before that, it was the worst year we ever had. Didn't care. Pulled in the last day of duck season. I told my buddies that's the funnest duck season I ever had. And it was the worst duck season I ever had, but we had a ball hunting together and had a ball, you know, on our place. And that's what it's all about. So you're a professional dog trainer and a professional duck hunter, Chris Aiken. You're 53. 62 minus 53 is nine. They say that 62 is the year that we get to retire, start collecting Social Security. <laughs> if there is such a thing, we get our AARP card for Denny's. <laughs> Will I see you on a Denny's in a Denny's booth at 62 during duck season at 8 in the morning when the sun's shining and the wind's blowing? Or do you think you're going to keep going because of how freaking special this life is? Dude, I'm going to be in a duck blind every single day of duck season. I, the last day I missed was, was 2005, November 22nd. Uh, that was when my son was born. The day I missed before that, I was a junior in high school. I mean, <laughs> I got it bad. I got it bad, and I love it. I mean, I do. I, look, I'm not the guy that travels all over the country. I've been, I have been a lot of different places. I've been very fortunate to get to hunt, been hunting with some of the best people in the business, uh, you know, just like hunting with you. It, I, I have done it. But I don't anymore. I don't travel anymore to hunt. I just hunt here, hunt with my friends, my family. Um, and, man, I just love it. And uh, But I'm going to do it the rest of my life. And, I mean, I mean, like I, I, two years ago, my best friend I was talking about, we hunted together every day since 1989. It was three years ago. He had, a, he had double knee surgery and back surgery in the same year. The year before he had that, he couldn't even walk. Couldn't even walk. Now, I'm telling you, this is how bad this guy's got it. We bear hugged him. He's not a small fella, okay? He's, he's big around as a 55-gallon drum. He'd be mad if I said that. But I'm telling you, <laughs> we bear hugged this crazy joker and got him in the boat, got him to the blind, bear hugged him, drug him in the blind, put him in a bar stool, and he smoked the ducks every day just with us. We drug him right back to the blind. We did it every day. We dropped him in the water. We dropped him in mud holes. We dropped him. He didn't care. He's like, hey, just get me up there. Let's go. Let's shoot some ducks. I mean, that's how bad he's got. I'll be the same way. I mean, man, I, and I got the right people around me to do that. And we're, we, the way we hunt is pretty easy. And uh, so I, I'm going to be a really uh, graceful old hunter, and I'm going to go every day until I can't go anymore. I, I can't, I'm, I'm looking forward to every day of it. I can't wait. So going back to Boomer, and I don't want to bring Boomer up, but you said that he yeah. opened a lot of doors for you, a lot of uh, unbelievable negotiations. All the All the endorsement deals that you've had, and you have so many strong ones that you've been with for so long, Every dog food company in the world wants web-footed kennels feeding their dogs with the success that you've had at field trials, at hunt tests, at SRS, in the blinds, in the woods, in the marsh, in the rice checks. Why you canuba, Chris? Why does somebody like Chris Aiken agree to be a face and an ambassador, not just an ambassador, but uh, a, a monster of the industry you are? Why do you work with a company called You Canuba? Is it the best food in the world? Do you see a difference with your kennel and the dogs and the performance? And what, what are the major differences that you've seen that has made you know that you've made the right decision with being with Yukonuba? 
Well, I, I, I've been real fortunate to be able to feed them all and through the years. And, and uh, I'm just going to tell you right now, there's nothing that compares to Yukonuba. And, and look, I never fed Yukonuba until about two or three years ago. And whenever I started feeding it, I had to. I had no choice. I was feeding another brand. Uh, one of the most popular brands there is out there. I was double feeding over 20 dogs uh, a day because of weight. I had horrible hair problems. I had prob- The main thing was weight and stool. Uh, teeth were horrible. They did nothing for the teeth. Uh, the muscle tone, of course, when you didn't have weight, you didn't have the muscle tone. Just, I had compounded problems. Let me tell you something. When dad comes to see, you know, when he comes there to see Thorne, okay, when he comes over to see him and he gets there, he don't care. If he did a 300-yard mark, he's good. He's a little thin. Mama's there. She's not happy, not having it. Load him up. We're carrying him home. I'm going to take care of him. I'm going to put some weight back on him. She's not happy. So weight is a huge deal in the, in the retriever business, okay, to, to a dog trainer. We have to keep that dog's weight up. His appearance has got to look good. Coat's got to be good and shiny. His muscle tone's got to be good. His teeth got to be clean. He's got to look like he's a picture of health when he's in training. Look, we're talking about a dog that's being, you know, man, physically challenged, mentally challenged every day of his life. We have to have that appearance for that dog. That dog has to be, uh, has to have what he needs in order to look that way. The only dog food I can find on the market that does that is Yukonuba 3020. I'm just telling you right now, it, there's nothing compares to it. And it makes my life so much easier. I don't have to stress out about it. I don't have to feed absorbent amount. I'm feeding less dog food now than I fed when I was feeding single amounts of the other. Uh, the teeth looking, I mean, the teeth are, I mean, they look like, better than mine and yours i can promise you that the dogs the dog's hair coat looks incredible uh you know the dog's muscle tone and here's the thing it, it, another guy that's that's a dog, the best dog trainer in the country is a field trial guy named al arthur he said it best i'm not gonna I, i'm not gonna steal his line he said i expect the very best from them why wouldn't i why would i give them anything less than the very best and that's exactly the way I feel too. And I, he, that's not exactly his quote, but it's something pretty close to that. You know, if they're going to give me the, I'm going to give them the very best. If they're going to give me the very best, and and that's that's exactly what it's all about. Look, I I'm not, I don't get paid to say that. I don't get paid. I'm just telling you guys, it works. It's very easy. Uh, it's uh, if you want great teeth, great hair, great skin coat, great muscle tone, and quality stools on your dog. You can do a 3020 is the only way to go. And, and, and look, it's just like everything else. The technology of everything, from e-collars to decoys to boats to dog food, everything's changed. Just because you fed that other crap for 20 years doesn't mean it's the same as it is now. Get with the times. Put the 870s up. Put the old junk dog food up. Get out to Yukonuba and let's do this deal right. And uh, I mean, you got the best dog in the country. You got quality dog. Man, feed him some great dog food. I mean, and it, and it, you know, it's not any more expensive than anything else out there today either. That's what's crazy. And you can get it everywhere. I mean, you know, it's just it's very simplistic to get. Uh, so why not use it? I mean, it's just it's the best there is. Why did you describe Al Arthur in those words that you just used as being the best dog trainer there is? And does he feed Yukonuba as well? He does feed Yukonuba as well. Uh, let me tell you, when when I had a dog that I was partners with, uh, a great dog, his name was Slick. You may remember Yellow Mail. Yeah. I was partners with another guy, and the dog had a grand title, a master title, and qualified all age. And I decided I was going to send my dog to a field trial pro. I mean, if you're a football guy, you're a football guy. If you're a basketball guy, you're a basketball guy. Al is the man in the field trial world. And so I said, I'm going to send my dog to somebody. So I sent Al. Well, I sent my dog up there to Al, and Al ran him and, and did a good job with him. And then during that time, I got to go up and train with Al, and I got to see, you know, truly how hard those guys work and what they do and how they do it. 
it. And uh, I mean, I'm just telling you, those guys are there's in the field trial world. Uh, they can't be beat. And, uh, and and they feed Yukonuba as well. And he's been feeding Yukonuba. I mean, he's old school. He had been feeding Yukonuba for 30 years. Uh, he just you know, he knew stuff that nobody else did at the time. And I'm going to tell you, I think the products, they, they've done some improvements even over the 30-year period and really, you know, brought up the snow. I think it's a lot better dog feeding when he first started feeding it too. But he tried telling me back then, I was too hard-headed to listen. And, and, uh, but I, I, he finally convinced me and I swapped over and I had to. I'm just telling you, I had to. There wasn't anything else out there that was working for me. And I couldn't afford that other dog food. The other dog food was the same price and I was having to feed twice as much of it. Now, that doesn't make any sense at all. And then when you feed all that, then your stools go. I mean, it's, the whole thing was just a train wreck. So uh, it just didn't work for me. And look, we got we got hot weather here. We got cold weather here. We got a lot of stress mentally and physically on the dogs. I mean, we have to feed a good quality dog food, you know, and so that's that's what we feed. Why do you, why do you think that Yukonuba has, and I want, to, I want you to answer this in a couple of different ways. You've mentioned Shannon Nardi. Yep. Yep. Is is Shannon still in this game? Is she still relevant? Is she still your friend? And do, when when you look at somebody like Shannon and what she meant to the SRS and what her dad did with the outdoor games and ESPN and all of the stuff he's done in outdoor television, you you have this you have this association that Chris Aiken has the SRS and Chris Aiken has the Yukonuba. Yukonuba supports the culture of what you believe in in the sporting dog deal. But does it take somebody like Shannon Nardi to keep that that torch lit? Or is she just the person that you attribute to getting? Because it kind of sounded to me, Aiken, like you said something uh, uh, along the lines of, if it wasn't for that time of 2003, 2004, would we be here? Would Yukonuba even be being talked about with the success that the Nardis brought to the sporting dog world and the access and the opportunity that they gave people like you and Al Arthur and the other trainers. Does that well, question make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And here's the deal. Shannon, I mean, they're still running super retriever series, you know, every weekend somewhere and they're still doing their deal. And, and uh, of course she's relevant. I mean, she's, she's huge in the dog world. Look, that, that woman has done more for the retriever world than any other person I know bar none out there to educate the general public, the general people, uh, of what a dog can do and, and what it can continue to do. And I mean, still, she's been doing this. Uh, man, I'm going to say she started that thing in probably 2000. Here we are 20 years later and she's still doing it. And, uh, and, and it's really, I shouldn't say this. I don't think it's a huge money deal for her. I think it's just a huge passion for hers and a true love that she has. Uh, for the game and the people that go along with it. I mean, she's just addicted to the, to, to the dogs and addicted to the people that have, that, that have the dogs. And it, she's the best, you know, videographer. And, and, and I mean, she can edit that stuff. And I mean, she, uh, I mean, she did a video series for me. I did duck dog basics. that I did, you know, one, two, and three, she did all that for me. And if she can make it look, look good as she did for me with using my hillbilly self, and you know, she's good. I mean, <laughs> she's incredible. I mean, she's incredible. And there's nobody there's, there's, there's she's second to none. Uh, you know, she's worked for everybody in the industry and, and uh, she's she's very high in demand and very good at what she does and very good at explaining. And she's also understands both sides of it. I mean, she understands uh, the competitive side of it and she also understands the pet companion side of it. So she knows how to relate to people and, and explain it and show it to them. And, and she gets it. She just 100% gets the game. And uh, so not, not to be just rambling on, but I can't say enough good things about her and what she's done for 
for the general public to understand the retriever world and the hunting world for that matter. I mean, cause a lot of that stuff, I mean, she used to have the old water dog show and showed hunting from coast to coast and all the different styles. I know you were a part of that as well. Um, and just, uh, you know, she, she sought out and got the best people in the business and, and, uh, and, and explained a, a story that we did every day to people that never got a chance to do it. And I think it's a lot of the reason that the waterfowl industry is the way it is today. And that's where I was going with it. And I don't want people to <clears throat> take my line of question is like always being the devil's advocate. I, I think she's amazing. I love Shannon. I think what she's done is, is along the same lines of how you pick, how you explain and describe her. But if you think about what I'm saying, Aiken, is that you already self-admitted that what she did in 0203 with the, the SRS and how that put even you on the map and gave people of your caliber the opportunity to keep growing and, 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 and probably even increasing your revenue opportunity, your revenue stream, your livelihood. Then you take into the consideration that now Yukonuba has the ability to be teamed up with SRS and Shannon Nardi. Yukonuba has the ability to be teamed up with Chris Aiken and Webfooted Kennels. That's all of it goes back to those days of 2000, 2001, 2003 of her doing that. And then you taking it obviously and running with it. But think about every bit of sweat equity that she put in back there is kind of why all of this has come into fruition 20 years later. And it's still relevant. Her, her days back in the SRS starting it with you and Tackett and all the guys are what really what's still driving the sporting dog community today. And, and that's true. That's the truth. That's just plain, plain and simple. Well, what's amazing is what's the people that she had back then, they're still in it in this today. She didn't pick a, a – she didn't – I mean, you know, if you got a basketball team, you're not looking for two good ones and three okay ones. You're looking for five good ones, right? And that's what she found back then, but that's kind of how she's got. She knew what she needed. She knew what she was looking for and uh, to, to explain it and, and to show the game and to share with the world uh, what we've got out here, and then and, and she did it and, and continues to do it. And But, you know, she's one of the most creative people. Her whole family's that way. Her dad's that way. Her brother others i mean it's she, that that, is, that whole family's that way and they're incredible and they have a true talent like nobody else and uh and they got an eye for you know great people great dogs and, and how to explain it and uh and she's she just and it is what it is but you know she even works for united kennel club now they they were smart enough to bring her on board and going to help them uh, you know expand their their whole thing and and make that thing even bigger than it already is i mean the dog world is unbelievable right now and it's it, I, the virus has even made it even crazier i mean because let me tell you something people are at home people have the time a lot of people's lives have changed they're working from home now a lot more people are eating at home now they're spending more time with their family with their friends uh, a lot of kids aren't doing travel baseball and swim meets and soccer and all that. A lot of people have a lot of income now still in, the, in their bank account that they didn't used to have because they were so busy uh, chasing all these other dreams all the time. And people have time to mess with their puppies and their dogs like no other time in history like no other time that I remember anyway. And uh, so the dog world's out of control right now. Uh, everybody's having a ball with it. All the hunt tests are jam-packed full. Uh, it's, it's just off the hook right now. And, and a lot of that had to do with her and what she did back in the day. And, uh, you know, it was just uh, preparation. And, uh, you know, back then is what's caused all this today. So it's been incredible. I think it's, I just blows my mind when you sit, when I talk to her and I'm sitting there going, there really is. I, I was just watching some of those episodes of water dog the other day that I did with them out here in West. And I was watching, I was remembering how passionate she was back. That was 2005 or six. And just how, when I was with her in Saskatchewan or, you know, all the different places and her passion was just amazing. And it's just 
I think it's awesome that somebody like you would pay homage to what she was doing back then. And she, it really is the truth that it, none of this would be happening if, if those days did. I really don't think that. I, I honestly think there is this huge influx in duck dogs and uh, what, whether it's TV shows wrapped around and whether it's training videos, wrapped around, I, I remember that was, what was the guy's name that did water dog waters? Was it waters? Waters? What was yeah, that? Guy? Water dog, uh, Richard Walters, Walters, Richard um, Walters. That's what the sporting dog world had, which, Hey, God bless him. He was great, but that's what the sporting dog world had. And then I, the re, the way that I got involved in is I had a portable toilet company in Reno, Nevada. We got hired to do the portable toilets for the, uh, outdoor games. And I'm up there watching this lady run around with this tacket guy that was hosting it. You, all you guys were there. It was up at Rancho San Rafael park and they had a dog area. And that's how I got introduced. Like, man, this is powerful. And then, and then, and then if you remember the, a year later, I brought them all into Reno. We did a big event here, had a big deal at my restaurant, and we, we did the dog jumping in the Sportsman's Warehouse parking lot. And that was 15 years ago already, Aiken. And here we are. And, it's, and now what you're telling me is that dogs are even more popular oh. today than they were 15 years ago. It's crazy. Look, 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 listen to this right here. This is something you don't know, and I'll, I'll explain this. Okay, so, so master tests are, are entered online, okay? So they got a company called Entry Express, and they'll announce that, hey, we're going to have a hunt test at – something something grounds something something club it's going to be on a certain date blah 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 we're going to have 100 dogs in masters we're going to have 30 in seniors we'll have 30 in juniors uh, we're going to open the entries at eight o'clock okay so you get on your computer enter your dogs hit enter and you enter the first hundred get in okay uh, the first hundred okay in a test tad i'm not even exaggerating this not a little bit at 801 at 8.01, that thing is completely full, jam-packed. And now they go on what we call a waiting list. Every single AKC test in the country is jam-packed. By 8.02, every one of them are completely full. Wow. Come full. And, 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 I mean, now everybody's getting faster internet, better, better computers, better equipment, so that they can try to beat their neighbor, their beat their other trainer, beat their friend, get in, because it's it's almost, that's just how crazy the dog world is. I mean, we're having to compete. We were talking about this yesterday. The president of, of Hunt and Retriever Club got in Glenn Dives here at my kennel yesterday, and we were visiting about, uh, we're, we're starting a new retriever club up here, and we were visiting about it and, and all this, and, and when we did, uh, I was telling him, I said, man, 20 years ago, these clubs would call me up and say, hey, uh, are you coming to our test? And back then, you can only bring eight dogs, okay? And I'd say, uh, I don't know why. And they said, well, if you don't come with your eight dogs, we're not going to have a test because we won't have enough dogs to have a test. Today, you can bring 12. We normally, like if Brett and I both go, we'll take 24. In AKC, they have no limit. So I normally run around with 20, 24, 26 dogs at a time. And uh, when I'm running and doing all that, and uh, – you know, these clubs, they don't even want us to come because when we're bringing so many dogs, that takes up a lot of spots for the average guy like yourself. Now, you can't get in because I'm showing up with 20, 24 dogs, and that takes up 24 spots for a guy that only has one dog apiece. You know what I mean? And they would much rather all you guys be there as me be there because, uh, you know, they have more fellowship, have more fun, get to meet people, get to know people. I'm at the line with 24 dogs. They're not going to get to even talk to me because I'm at the line the whole day with a dog. You know what I mean? So it takes away from the, the fun factor. So uh, it's just crazy how everything's evolved, but it all has to do with the passion of the dogs, making them better, making them, making all of us understand what they can do what they can't do, what they're supposed to do, what they should be able to do. Uh, we got all the best training products. We got all the best nutrition. We got all the best 
everything, grounds, everything's different now than it was 20, 25 years ago. It's just off the hook. Very exciting time. I'm telling you, I can't wait to see what this is going to be like 20 years from now. I mean, this I is going to be insane. It's going to be insanity. I mean, it really is. I, I mean, I'm not just saying that to be funny. I mean, it's going to be unbelievable because, like, I live in the same place I've lived since 1992. And I built the first dog training pond I ever knew of. And, and it, it's what we call a tech pond today. And everybody's got one now. Everybody's got one. Well, when I built that thing, uh, the dogs that I used, I remember blind retrieves that we would do. And I would say, that's that, that dog could run that blind. I said, that's probably the best dog in the state right there. It could run that blind retrieve right there. Today's world, the I mean, I'm talking about that's like blind number five or six for us on the dog that we're teaching how to dog how to run blind. It's a Mickey Mouse deal compared to what it was 20 years ago. It was like everybody video this and send it to everybody you know because this is incredible. And today it's just like, well, yeah, I mean, why any dog can do that? It's just and that's 20 years later, and it's just on that same little pond. I still got it to this day and, and still use it every single day. It's just a it's amazing to watch how this has evolved. So crazy. when you say it's amazing to watch how it evolved, they can talk to me personally about we've we've touched on boomer we've touched on your relationship and your admiration for shannon nardi when you walk out of that house and that property you've had since 1992 and you know what happens in that area from thanksgiving until the end of january you know in that general vicinity of that area of arkansas within probably 10 miles of your house the magic that happens during the mallard duck season how does it make you feel as a person as a human being as a father as a husband as a trainer as a handler as a business owner as a boss you have trainers that you've taught and that have gone on to start their own kennels you got to have a lot of trust to put your trust into a trainer to go handle one of your dogs on that line at a master's test or what or even in your property what is how do you feel when you walk out there with your road, I, you, I don't. I'm not picturing cousin Eddie with your shirt off and you're and you're pissing outside with a cup of coffee and you're just looking out over your empire you built. But it's something along those lines. Every morning you got to walk out there and just pinch yourself, right? Is it not the stupidest thing you ever heard of? I mean, <laughs> it really crazy. is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. I tell my wife that at least three, four times a week. I'm just like, how in the world? I mean, you realize we've trained 4,000 dogs out of this kennel and since I started this thing. Wow. 4,000 dogs. The relationships that I've got to build with people, the people I've got to meet, the things I've got to do and see because of that, the things I've got to own because of that is just absolutely off the hook on this. Hey, man, look, I'm, you got to understand now. So I'm going I'm to really tell how it is. I barely, barely, barely made, I'm going to say, well, barely made out of high school. Okay. I'm like the dumbest human being I ever met in my life. I'm just a guy that likes to shoot ducks, mess with dogs, and have a good time. Okay. I don't drink. But I'm an alcoholic about everything I do. Okay, I don't drink alcohol, not a drop. But I hadn't in probably 20 years. But I'm an alcoholic about ducks, and I'm an alcoholic about dogs. And the deal is, is that we just put I put everything I can into it. I've done it for, for all these years. I've had a blast doing it. And it's all been for the people I get to work for. I mean, I have the best clientele list there is. I mean, these guys are super. You know, everybody talks about in their business, oh, I had this butthole, oh, I had this guy, this. I don't have any of that. I don't have any of that. Nothing, zero. I don't. I mean, I've been there for thirty years, and I've had one or two people get mad about some Mickey Mouse deal because they thought, you know, thought it should be this way or that way. But I'm talking about like two, right? I mean, it, it, it usually had to do with money. They, they didn't really want to spend that much money or whatever. I get that. Hey, you're gonna have. But I'm talking two out of four thousand. I mean, it's incredible. And, and I get to spend time with these people. We get to travel together. We go to these hunt tests together. I got to have them as guests at the duck club during the winter. I get to really know them. We get to visit. I get to meet their families. I, I know their kids. And here's the cool part. 
right, 30 years now, okay, 30 years. I'm training now for more of the kids that when they came out here were in diapers or in my damn way. is <laughs> little bitty kids pushing their strollers around and doing their Barbies and, and you know, shooting their BB guns at, at birds when they were out here as kids. Now I'm working for them. Okay, so so in my business, you understand now, I don't advertise. Nowhere do I advertise. Nowhere have I ever advertised. I don't, everything's word of mouth, but the main thing that we have is everything's repeat. We're working for the same people. I'm doing their third and fourth dog. I'm doing their kids' dogs or nephews' dogs or cousins' dogs. I mean, I'm doing all, it's just all family. And I mean, man, when people call me now, I mean, they, they're asking about my daughter. They're asking about my grandbaby on the way. I mean, it's just family. You know, it's not like they're clients. They're like family and friends to us. And uh, man, what other business out there is there like that? I don't, I, I don't know of any of them. I don't know of any of them that's that way. I mean, it's just like one big family, you know, and, and I'm fortunate enough that they actually give me some money so I don't have to go get another job, you know? I get to do this and then do it. And, and, and Isn't I, it crazy you make money explaining the life you do? It's like how most oh. people would be like, what? <laughs> somebody, somebody calls you and says they want a puppy and then not, they buy it, but then you train it. And then that dog grows up and that, and it's like, and you just sit there. You got, it's like, you got to pinch yourself. And it's like, uh, what great. a freaking career and what a business that, what, what is your goal with it, Chris? You're, you're 53 years old. Is your, is your kid's going to take it over? Man, is your trainer going to buy no. out? What's going to happen? Man, it's like, man, the dog world's like the drug business, okay? You don't get out. You're not allowed to get out, okay? <laughs> Once you're in the circle, you're stuck, okay? You can't just leave. We will hunt you, they will hunt you down and kill you. And, and so I'm stuck in this deal. I mean, I'm not going anywhere. I mean, why would I go anywhere? I hadn't worked in 30 years. I've just done what I wanted to do every day, train dogs, shoot ducks. I mean, why would you want to quit that deal? You know yeah, what I'm why saying? why would you? And, and I've had a blast. Now, I'm not saying I'm going to do it on the same level I'm doing it today, but I'll always be in the dog world, and I'll always be in the duck hunting world for sure. Uh, yeah, but, I, but I'll always – I'll fall over dead next to one of them, you know, and, that, and so be it. You know what I mean? Uh, so be it. That'd be fine with me. I'd, that'd be a, be a good way to go. I mean, I'm telling you, I trained today. It was hot as it could be. It was miserable. And I thought to myself 10 times a day, I'm not kidding, maybe 20 times a day, I watched a little young dog. I had a little golden fever today, a little young dog. I'm having a blast with right now. Had another little black lab. Uh, had another little yellow. Blew my mind today. These are little young dogs that just graduated up to me. They're really up-and-comers. I was thinking about how what a blast it was. I had this guy, this little kid bringing me dogs today, helping me at the trailer today. And I was telling him man, how fun it is to watch those dogs develop and learn and turn into somebody. My old guys that are killers, when they mess up, you know what? It ticks me off because either they know better, but it's that's really no fun. But when you get these young dogs that really show out that day and really show you what they can do, that's when it's fun. And I mean, I hear I've been doing it 30 years. I'm telling you, I had a blast today. All I was out there melting today while we were doing this huge water setup. It took us forever to do today. And, and, uh, but, it, it, but I'm telling you, it was a blast. Those little young dogs just make my day every day. I just love watching them develop into something great. You know, I think, and, I think it's awesome that 30 years into a career, you could be like, that fired up about it that a one-year-old dog after you've had the boomers you've had the slicks you've had the best dogs in the country you've been around the best of all time and they still 30 years into this those little that little one-year-old golden retrievers just lighten your wick it's crazy and, and, that's just awesome and, and, and here's the here's the you know, let me tell you the funnest part about any of that 
That golden retriever, I'm thinking that's season one, two, three, four. That golden retriever is my fifth, that's fifth generation on that golden retriever. Okay. That wow. I've had, I, so I know. So, so everything that little dog does, I knew it was going to do it for never did it. And still, it's amazing. I talked about it today. The same thing his grandmother did. The same thing his great grandmother did. I hunted with every one of those dogs. I hunted every one of those dogs out of that dog's pedigree. Uh, on the on the male side, I hunted with every one of them. And I put last year the same breeding on that golden. I put two grand titles on on two of these dogs, bro, uh, half brothers. And uh, I'm, I'm telling you right now, uh, the best dog I ever trained, the best dog I ever petted in my life was a dog named Willie Hunt. And and without a doubt, he was so far ahead of his time. It was unbelievable. I don't think anybody would argue that point. And he was a golden retriever. And these, this little young dog I had today, believe it or not, is a grandbaby out of that. A grandbaby. Now, Willie's been dead for 20 years, but we still had that frozen semen and, and breed to a dog named Reddy. And he's the one that's thrown all the great goldens that are out there right now in the hunt test world. Uh, he's the one that's been doing it. And uh, I mean, just incredible. And this old dog here that I'm talking about today, uh, her name is Willa. Uh, she's a, just, just turned one year old and doing big girl stuff. And man, just doing a great job and learning. And I didn't say she did it perfect because she didn't, but we came back and repeated and we got it right and she just showed me how how well she was learning and trying to work for me and trying to be good that's that's what's fun man that's what's fun not the nobody cares about with the that you know what the professional basketball or baseball players they're supposed to do they make big money that's what they're supposed to do it's more fun out here watching college ball it's even more fun out here watching high school it's even more fun watching you know the the the, the fifth the sixth seventh eighth ninth graders those are the ones that's fun to watch right i mean they're not getting paid because they love it they yeah. just love it you know and they, they, just and they still so, hustle everywhere they go yeah you know and i mean and at the end of the day when they get done hey all they want to do is, hey, let's let's go get us some ice cream or let's go eat pizza, right? Yeah. That's the that's the deal. They're just doing it because they love it, you know. Yeah. And they're not, you know. So that's uh, I love those young dogs. That's what's that's where it's all at. And, and hey, and then these dogs are one year old, so they're fixing to come up. You know, here we are. We're sitting here first of July. They're coming up on the the funnest season that their owner will ever have. Okay, because they don't know what to expect. They don't know what, you know, they don't know what the Willows are going to do. They don't know what the Rascals are going to do. They don't know what the Gunners are going to do or the Maxes or whatever. When you get out there this year, I mean, it's going to be all question marks. Well, then you get to see them, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll mess up some, but here they'll get better and they'll get better. And, they'll get better. and then about what, you know, 10 hunts into it. They've done picked up a few ducks, you know, they've done, done something. Maybe if they're, if they're in a good, if they get to hunt in good enough places, I could pick up a couple hundred ducks by then, man, when you, drive up there in the boat as soon as you get to the dog stand they they automatically jump onto the stand they sit down you go put the decoys out they stay there you call the ducks they're watching them circle and circle and circle they come in they know not to move you know you're you do that feed call they're like oh boy here we go here we go here we go then all of a sudden boom 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 boom, boom and man they're on their toes you know they're out there on them toenails just ready to go and you say their name they launch off there and they'll get it and they're just hoping like crap it dives down and they get to chase it and they get it and they may grab it by the head or by the foot and you're just like you know who cares you know man this is her first hunt, you know. They come back, get on the stand, sit down there, and do it again. I mean, how fun is that? Now, when you know, but, but when you get in that second year of hunting, third year when they're really good, but the problem is you got all those expectations. Well, yeah, he's supposed to do that. That first year, that's the most exciting year that there is, and all the what ifs and what could be's and how we can develop this dog into something cool. So I love uh, that. Hey, my lot I, of fun. I have a I have a business in Arkansas in the duck call world, and my partner is in is in the Augusta Circe area, Bald Knob area. He has a dog named Lexi. She's 48, 55 pounds, somewhere in there, and just a freaking rocket. Really, really smooth dog. Not much, not a lot of hair on it. I don't know if you're, if I'm going anywhere with you on this, but she's a, he refers to her as a slick dog. 
Um, what does that mean? And he wants to breed her right now. And I'm sitting and I'm, and I'm, and I'm sitting there going, man, this dog is just a powerhouse. Hey, and she is so fun to hunt with just great disposition. Like you described on the stand on her toenails and just ready to rock and just leaps and just dive, you know, cripples and divers and over stumps and under stumps, whatever. Is, is that a, a common term in the dog world of hearing she's a slick dog or he's a slick dog? Does that mean that that is a generational ancestral dog out of another dog that was famous in Arkansas too? Well, a slick dog, my, my, my personal dog is a dog named Finn. And Finn's got all the titles and done all that, but he is a slick dog too. And he is out of a dog that was called uh, Curtis the Slippery When Wet. And that was the dog that I was partners on that I was telling you about earlier. Christian Curtis and I own that dog together. And uh, there's a lot of slick puppies out there. We bred him a lot. It was, you know, it was my personal dog. Christian ended up giving him to me when he got busy in businesses, you know, and all the stuff he had going on. He said, Chris, I, you know, I can't do me justice. You can keep him. And man, I don't, I can't tell you how many ducks that Slick picked up. I mean, he, Slick was the dog that, that could hunt with anybody. Slick got to go to Canada. He got to go to Texas. He went everywhere with all my buddies and everybody hunting. Uh, I know one buddy of mine, uh, Adam Lyerly had a big snow goose operation one year and he, like, he picked up 1,800 uh, snow geese. That was after duck season. You know what I mean? And, and he just borrowed him. And, and I, I let everybody borrow him. You may have borrowed him. I mean, it, we, we, we had, there were shows. I know that the Avery did. They didn't have a dog. And I, Al used him in one of the shows one time. Al hadn't seen him in two years and he didn't have a dog. It was a, a duck dog. And I said, Hey, this takes slick. Okay. So he took him and went up there and hunted with him and did a show. I think you were there up at, at Christian's place and, yeah. and uh, him and Keith and all them ran there. And I mean, but he knew his job, you know, he was a good one. I mean, and he, they ran it on that deal. They ran him on a 400 yard blind across the field and he did it like three weeks. And I mean, he was just a good dog, but the, so that puppy may be, if they're talking about a slick puppy, that could be who that's out of. There's a lot of them around here. We bred him a ton. Now, if he's talking about the hair coat and all that slick dogs also are very slick haired, very, very, very unbelievable soft dogs, different from others. Like my boomer dogs were all real thick haired and real, man, their backs real wavy. I'm telling you, I, I petted this dog today named Bailey. It's a boomer puppy day. I almost started crying because it's felt just like boomer. It's amazing that, that these dogs, pass all these traits along but man those are 45 50 pound females man that's where it's at everybody loves them mom loves them kids love them dads love them i mean they're they're man they're they're a heartbreaker everybody that's what everybody down here wants a 45 55 60 pound black female that man i mean they will go everywhere with you but the electric chair and pick up every duck you shoot you know what i mean that's what you want i think i i i'm pretty i'm hundred percent actually that it is a slick dog out of the same dog that we're talking yeah. about and gosh i can't tell you how many unbelievable timber retrieves i've seen this little female make just blows my mind but we're going to end it like this hey can i truly appreciate you being here we have to do this again i really want to hunt with you in the timber and, and watch one of your dogs work what i a few years ago i coined this deal more than a few years ago but i have this this little saying here, Aiken, it says, we merely exist in a duck's world. And I was in this Irish bar waiting on a friend one night during a celebration in one of my local towns here in this area of Nevada. And I looked up and I saw a, it was like a poster thing up on the top wall of this Irish bar. Um, I know that you don't drink and I wasn't in there. I might've had a Guinness that night, but not a lot. I was just in there to say hi to a friend that was passing through. But can you see that on the camera, Aiken? No, not really. I don't know if you can see it or not. It's just, no, it's just too, it's too lit up. Okay. I'm, uh, 
I'm going to text it to you real quick, live right here on the podcast. You're on good Wi-Fi. It should come through quick. It's a low-res picture. I took that picture that night <clears throat> sitting on that bar stool, and let me know if that comes through. Got it. What does that look like to you? Oh, man, I I may be way off the chart, but it looks like a hand holding a big gold nugget to me. What is it supposed okay, to be? Okay, so when I when I looked up that that's the world symbol for the world cup, the FIFA soccer deal. Right. Okay. But it, to me, it looks like a mallard's foot hold, holding a globe. <laughs> so, so I see that. I see that. I'm with you on it. Yep, so yep, yep. I said, I went to one of my artists the next day and said, can you do a rendition of this? That's a mallard orange foot with the toenails. That's just like dictating every movement that we make and holding our world, holding our earth, holding our globe and spinning it and doing it like the Harlem Globetrotters do with the basketball. And they can di dictate my every move. Right now, it's July 2020. You're 100 degrees with 100% humidity in Arkansas, training 96 dogs at web-footed kennels. Does a duck control your globe? Do you merely exist in a mallard duck's world? And I know the dogs are a big part of this. They're the biggest part of it to you. But are you thinking about ducks in July, Chris Aiken, at 53 years old, like you did when you were 25? Do they still light you up at this time of the year? Or is it like, man, I can't wait to get to the lake on the wakeboard and I'll take duck season when it gets there? All right. So, so I have a duck club right south of here. Uh, it's 25 miles from here. It's called Red Legs Lodge. And I'm there three to four afternoons a week after work or on the weekends. Uh, we had a two-inch rain yesterday. I've got some corn planted that I planted Friday before last. Um, and I planted it, and I'm scared. With that two-inch rain, I'm scared it's had a little bit too much water on it. There's a ditch around it, levees. So I'm fixing when he hang up. I'm leaving and headed down there. I'm going to get in a Jeep. I'm going to run down there, check it out, make sure that the water is not on my corn uh, that in my, in, in my WRP and make sure it's not on there because, uh, you know, man, we got to have, the, we, we want, we want that corn at WRP. We got some nice food plots. We work on duck hunting 365. Uh, I've got a partner on my duck club. Uh, man, he's awesome. Uh, he had the same man, mindset I've got. Uh, and man, we work all year long on it, whether it be inside the house on the, in the lodge outside, uh, on the food plots, we've got, uh, two big rest areas that we have a lot of food in and I, you know, I farm those for it. So, uh, that's my, you know, that's my deal all year long. I'm down there working and doing stuff. I sprayed down there two afternoons ago, had spray my stuff. It's just constant. I mean, when you got a property, I'm not telling you anything, you know, I mean, you, it's, it's always, but, but the deal is it's a passion, uh, that I have, uh, for the punchline, uh, which is, you know, November the 20th, you know, and that's, uh, that's what it's all about. So we work year round for that. It's, it's not a hobby, uh, that we take lightly and it's not anything that we do. Uh, we don't worry about getting the decoys out night before duck season. I can promise you that, you know, we, <laughs> Uh, we're definitely working on it all year long and you got to i mean if you're going and like i told you i'm an alcoholic without drinking and uh you know so we got you got you got to we got to feed it got to feed that need uh, of uh, ducks I, i'll tell you this i'll tell you how bad it was two weeks ago my wife and i it's a true story i'm gonna tell off of myself two weeks ago my wife and i were getting the first weekend off just me and her that we had had in 11 years the first time, and I mean, I got the greatest wife on earth, as you can imagine. I mean, she is the coolest chick ever. Well, 
first time we had, I said I, we were going to go there. We couldn't think of anywhere else to go that we could just be cool. So we, we were going to our lake house. She said, let's just go to the lake house. We've never done it. We've had it for 20 years. Never just been there. Just me and her. It's always been with kids. As we're like last weekend, I had 21 people there. Uh, this weekend, 20 people there. We were in an entertainment business there even on weekends there too. But anyway, long story short, I said, hey, I got to get this corn in. I said, the rain coming. I got to get this corn in. I got it before we leave. No problem. She says, no problem. And I said, look, just pick me up at the duck club and we'll head on to the to the lake from there. Okay. She pulls up. I wasn't done yet. You know I wasn't done. I kept doing it. She, <laughs> hour later, she texted me. She said, when are you going to be done? I said, Give me 20 more minutes and I'll be done. Well, you knew that wasn't right. 20 minutes, anyone going to happen. <laughs> so about an about 45 minutes after that, she texted and said, look, I've been patient. I'm supposed to be on this romantic weekend with you, just me and you, and you're sitting there planting corn. I said, look, you got to just give me just a few more minutes. So I got done. I got done. I got in the car. She wasn't real happy about it. She wasn't. I said, look, I just want you to know how much I appreciate you being patient knowing about all my problems, my addictions I've got, and the way I got to have things and all that. Because, you know, so so here, I, and it, it was fixing to be dark. I mean, I had fixed to quit either way. It's fixing to be dark another 20 minutes. But I got all my corn in. It did come rain the next night. Man, the corn popped out of the ground. So I'm happy. She wasn't all that happy about it. But, you know, man, we just, we give up a lot. We do a lot to be this way. But it's, it's at the end of the day, it's, it, it's a, it's a. And she can cook a good Southern meal. Oh yeah, but she's awesome. And hey, look, she gets oh. the duck hunting bill. She gets the duck hunting bill. She didn't. She wouldn't be me this long, you know. I mean, I go to the lodge. I go to the lodge uh, about the middle of November, and uh, I mean, it's only twenty five miles from here. And I stay down there all winter. I mean, I stay there all winter long. We got a lot of guests, a lot of friends. People come in. We hang out and just have a good time, and we piddle all the time down there. And I come back and forth to the house to say hi and bye, and, you know, check in on things, go to kennel some. Because I, I don't work during duck season. I, I don't even pretend like I do. I, I hunt every day and 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 hang out with my buddies, and that's all I do during duck season. And so, uh, uh, you know, she's good with that. I mean, it takes a special woman to, to put up with this chaos at the dog world and the phone and and. Uh, and the duck hunting and everything that I do, but you know, we've been together for uh, 24 years and she's, uh, she's been a good one for me. I can promise you that. Been, I love been real it. Well, well blessed. Yeah, for sure. Are 12 gauges allowed on this club? No, whoa. <laughs> Don't even talk about those things. <laughs> Man, what's wrong our, with our you? Our 20s or just 28s and 410s? What, 20s, what's allowed? We shoot, we shoot a lot of 20s. We shoot a lot of 20s. We shoot lots of 28s. She's lots of 410s. Uh, we did pull out the big guns a couple times last year. Got 16s out uh, just for fun. Uh, we got those new uh, sweet 16s uh, that we shot last year, like, like a cannon. I mean, it's a joke. I mean, you know, 16s are absolute blast, though. We, we shot those. We, we really got mad at them. Uh, when I got a little tougher, we pulled those out. But we do shoot a lot, a lot, a lot of 14s. You know, I shot a 410 exclusively for four years. I never, I mean, snows, canned goose, duck, whatever I shot exclusively. For, and I, I love it. I, I love working ducks that way. And we do that. We still do that a lot. In the mornings, we all talk about what we're going to shoot that day, just depending on where we're going and who's there. Uh, for smaller groups, we always shoot 410s. If there's a few more people, we all shoot 28s. And then if it's a, if it's going to be a, you know, a free-for-all, uh, and we know we're going to just beat the brakes off of them, we'll take 20s and just, uh, I mean, just beat the brakes off of them. So, uh, but it's a lot of fun. I mean, you know, we, uh, but we, 12 gauges, are, there's not a 12 gauge that is allowed from the cable to the lodge. It's not allowed there. I don't even want to hear about one in your truck in the toolbox. I don't even want to hear about it. We just don't allow it. 
And uh, that's just one of our rules, and and we we live by it. You know, we just uh, it's just what we we somebody shows up with a twelve gauge, we loan them a different gun. Okay, mm-hmm, so. end it like this. Tell me what the Yukonuba feeding cycle is for a high-powered Chris Aiken duck dog from November 20th to January 28th. Does he, does he eat right when he wakes up? Does he get some kibble during the hunt? How does it work on a high-powered duck dog during duck season? Man, I feed at 5 o'clock every day. I try to feed as close as I can to 5 o'clock in the afternoon. I feed usually on the average dog, like you're talking about your buddy's dog here, that 45, 50-pound dog. That dog will eat two and a half, three cups of dog food. You take my dog, 65 pounds, he's going to eat somewhere around three, three and a half cups. You take a bigger dog, we're going to eat about four cups of dog food. I'm going to feed them once a day. That's it. That's all I'm going to feed them. I'm going to put it down. I'm going to let them eat. They don't eat it in five minutes. It gets picked up. And then they just have to eat the next day. And they'll, and then when you do that, they'll start eating the next day. Uh, the... Uh, I, there's a lot of reasons I do that. It makes it very easy for me because of uh, I, I feed them. I let them straight out to go take care of business. They air out, get it done. We go back in the house, they go to bed, whatever, next morning. Let them out. They do it. But when I first – a lot of people like to feed in the mornings. And let's talk about this time of year. When you feed in the mornings – and that dog's got that on its gut. You and I both know that that body takes a lot of energy and a lot of calories to break all that down and do all that. A lot of times when that happens, the dog's body temperature jumps up. When that dog's body temperature jumps up because it's trying to digest all that food, take care of all that, that could be the difference in a dog having a heat stroke or not having a heat stroke this time of year. So we sure don't want any dog eating anything in the mornings. And uh, because that dog's going to be busy working all day, we want that dog as cool as we can get him this time of year. Now, now during duck season, you get that dog, he's working hard, especially while you hunt, you know, man, all that stuff they're having to do. If your dog needs a little something, we may give him a little bit of something, but I'll even do it after the hunt we come in. I see that dog getting thin. I see him getting wore out, getting tired. We'll give him just a handful, nothing major, just maybe a cup, cup and a half of dog food after the hunt, and then we'll feed him his normal rations that evening, but nothing before the hunt. And and I got to admit, I'm, I'm not real good about not sharing. Uh, well, we, we do a little breakfast deal. Uh, we got one of those black stones we use in the blind sometimes, and when we'll throw him a fried biscuit or whatever, and, you know, it's got a lot of sugar in it and all that to give that dog a little bit of a boost. I'm probably, that's probably against the rules, but it is what it is. You know, we do it. it is, so it what is. about a normal guy like me that might train for 30 to 45 minutes a day, doesn't have a high powered dog and he just comes out 30 to 45 minutes a day to do some retrieves, a couple blinds, a little bit of swimming is, and it's getting up, you know, 87 to 95 degrees a day right now in July. Does he eat in the morning if he's only training that much a day or is it the same no, thing? I feed, I feed in the evenings. I feed, I just like feeding evenings. in the evenings. I just, I just think I'm just dead set on it. Just Have you ever had anybody said that that's abuse that you're only feeding a dog once a day? Is that, is that unethical, Chris, to wait until 5 p.m. to let somebody eat? Is that like prison? No, I think most people that gripe about that are usually, uh, you know, five two at three twenty five, and they kind of think about themselves. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but you know, I mean, the, that guy would have a problem with that. But you know, these dogs. I mean, you're you're good at what you get, what you practice, and you and you what you expect, and you, and you get the same routine every day. And you know, these dogs, that's just what they know. And hey, look, I got dogs. My personal dog, he doesn't even care about food. I mean, he really doesn't. I mean, you feed him, he's like, oh, well, I eat. Oh, it's okay. You got other dogs that are just like they're starving to death. But they're all. It doesn't matter how much food 
food you give them. They're going to act like that. So I feed them once a day. I feed them the same amount every day. I just watch their ribs and see how I adjust their weight if I need to. I just put a little bit more. When I say a little bit, I'm talking about a half a cup. It doesn't, man, you got to be careful that you can do with 3020 because it will put the weight on them if you're not careful. I mean, that stuff is, I don't I don't know what it is, but uh, same thing in donuts, I guess, because I mean, I'm telling you, put some weight on them. I'm just telling you, real quick. But uh, so, so watch it. But, but it was going to amaze you. It's going to be the other way around. You're going to be wanting to take that food off. And you're going to want to be just, uh, you know, make those rations smaller because uh, they're going to carry that weight really well. Clean teeth, great hair, great muscle tone, and a great stools. What else do you need in a dog food? You've heard it right here. Chris Aiken, Webfooted Kennels, Arkansas, America, the duck capital of the world. He's absolutely the best there is in the dog game. He's a mentor to so many. I love how he pays homage to companies and brands like Yukonuba, to individuals like Shannon Nardi, SRS Super Retriever Series, and what she's done all the way back to her days at Dancing Dog Productions. Shannon, we love you. Yukonuba, we love you. This has been another episode of the Foul Life Podcast the duck dog series fueled by you can do, but Chris Aiken web footed kennels. Thank you. Do you have any closing words for the audience? Man? No, I'm just telling you, here's the deal. You expect your dog to give you the very best. He wants you to give him the very best. Do your part. You heard it there. Chris Aiken. Thank you all so much. The song that you're about to hear is 2 AM logic called my foul life. Thank you guys for supporting the partners and sponsors that support us. And thank you all so much for subscribing to the podcast. Tom hit that button 2 AM logic. My foul life. Thank you. all No